You're listening to I Feel For You, and this is episode 81. I'm Dion, a writer, installation artist, yoga, somatic movement and embodiment facilitator, DJ, amongst other things. Also very human. In short, I create events and experiences for the community to feel more space, more at home in their bodies and more free using modalities like art, sound, VR, nature, writing and feelings, always feelings. And in today's podcast, I'm taking you to the beach for some reflections and feelings. And yeah, really this week, honouring bell hooks and honouring those who light the way for us and who help us remember who we are. So I'm getting into a personal story time. When is it not personal, my friends? Life is personal. Everything is personal, but also universal because this is a conversation. And just a reminder that I always love and appreciate hearing from you following these episodes, whether it's through your messages on socials or your emails and your reviews of this podcast. Oh, I feel so emotional and very grateful. And may we dance. So yes, mega story time with lots of 90s moments, darling. And I'll be retracing my steps through the Caribbean and schooling and navigating worlds that have impacted my life. And in that, of course, my story of how Bell Hooks came into my world. Forever grateful. And although the loss and grief is felt and sad, there is also a lot of joy and wonder and inspiration to soak in. So I hope that this episode helps you wander into your worlds and hold space for your remembering too. There'll be some prompts for you later in this episode. As I said, it's a conversation, so feel welcome to come on some creative explorations. You can also explore them on the spot if you like, um, but if you want to journal, have a pen and paper handy for your own reflections. Okay, let's get into it. A breath for nothing. Let's take a breath for nothing. Friends, you meet me on the beach. I know. Perhaps it sounds more um, luxe than it is. It does feel luxe though. I'll be honest, I'll take it. Pure nature vibes. I was just reflecting on the week that's been and uh, yeah what feels prominent right now is noting that we lost bell hooks this week someone who was very important in my lifetime for sure um, in my life and who who impacted me deeply. Kind of touched on this in a few tweets, but yeah. When I returned to the UK after living in the Caribbean, I was really trying to unpack and grapple with things. I mean, I was even in the Caribbean. I was before I got to the Caribbean. Such experiences that it really showed me a lot. Showed me things things that I thought I I thought were were real or true the experience living in multiple places but 
being working class, being black and mixed and being an all white schools and then going to the Caribbean and having a very, very different experience and going to schools in the Caribbean and then coming back to the UK to finish the rest of my schooling. And again, being in a mostly white school, like really, really white school and <laughs> getting back and sort of starting to unpick all of that, unpack all of that and try to, to grapple with it like, this is a whole other podcast because I was confusion. Not confused, but actually I think I was more and more myself than I'd ever been. Things became so much clearer to me. I'd already felt it, perhaps as like, even as small as a baby, being in a pram, like a, a small um, child. Like I don't even know how old. Definitely, definitely aware that I wasn't like walking in, you know, like... <laughs> I was still in a pram and experiencing racism even then and knowing what that felt like and what people thought of me based on <laughs> how I looked. Nothing's changed. But uh, yeah, then, then being in the Caribbean and suddenly everything was thrown on its head. Colorism and all of my privileges of, you know, being black and mixed and being born in the UK. And there's so much here, <laughs> but I, I, I'm just giving some context. Arriving back to the UK with my accent, who even knows? <laughs> but I remember getting the piss taken out of me repeatedly for my accent and the way I would say things like cheese and bread. When, it, when I was exclaiming shock or surprise. Um, and I had to, yeah, just sort of really try to get to grips with it because there wasn't really time or a pause. It was just, I was constantly changing schools. You, you know, right? I went to like 20 different schools in total. So it was a lot of different experiences, different impressions and um, trying to stay close to myself throughout all of the chaos amongst the other stuff that was going on. And I came back and I, I suppose I was, I was radicalized. I was radicalized before that. And I, by radicalized, I don't think I need to explain that. Okay, my friends, I had to interject here because when I looked into the context of this word in the edit and the way it's been used in more modern times, I did not want to be misunderstood. So I'm going to add this edit note to give more context to this thing, even though I know most of you know what I'm talking about. So the word radicalized carries new connotations for me. And I realize in this day and age, that could be misconstrued by some, even though I think you know what I mean. And I wonder if I need to explain or just interrupt here to give some context. So I thought that the word radical meant from the root to have a thorough grappling with something um, or a thorough context that can be deemed outside of the norm or dominant culture. So if there is another meaning or if this word has been replaced to mean something else, which, you know, language evolves and changes, what I might say if I were to replace this word radicalized would be, hmm, I would say, in this sentence. And so began my process of decolonizing my world. So I hope that's clear.
Okay, let's continue. But I knew aged four and experiencing racism and younger, obviously, but being very aware of aged four and at school and experiencing racism and discrimination from teachers, from students, obviously, from their parents. Just taking a moment to feel that because that was a bit of a hot sear across my chest. And then being in the Caribbean and just sort of just to, to even touch on this lightly in, a, in the most simplest basic way like because there's there's so much like nuance here and I don't just want to skim over this because I feel like this is such a uh, I was going to say like a deep topic I can't think of another word like it's such a complex topic I don't I don't want to do it disservice you know so just know when I'm speaking of this this is just some like little flakes of pot puree right being in the Caribbean and then being aware of my whiteness if we can call it that because we know race is a construct it doesn't exist right but being aware of the the parts of me that I hadn't been aware of because you don't study that in England at least you still don't you (laughs) you know what I mean you don't study black history and by black unless it's through the lens of being rescued or discovered (laughs) by good white people right like where history is rewritten and you know you, I don't need to explain this because I feel like if you're listening to this you you know and understand right I don't need to spell it out so going to the Caribbean and for example the pot parade is you know history going to history class and there's no there's no real kind of we'll do a module on the Romans or the Victorians in that sort of way that is romanticized in every UK school I've been to which I've been to a lot babe so I feel I can I feel I can comment and say you know we'll study the Egyptians and we'll make a pretty collar here's some hieroglyphics aren't they nice um, I know I'm kind of jesting but I'm also serious you know here we are the new world Christopher Columbus Marco Polo aren't they great guys listen so in the Caribbean I, I, I remember even going to like my first history class and I was just I was in shock I'm not even gonna lie I mean obviously I had context to these things because I grew up in you know I have black family right so you know the way history is rewritten was not lost on me I was not naive but the depth and the richness of my history classes in the Caribbean I feel like the sea is giving us giving it a round of applause <laughs> learning about my heritage in ways that I hadn't even been able to touch before the history the geography classes they were all obviously centered around I don't even want to call it Latin America but like Latin America Central South America basically and so learning about all of these things that had intrigued me when I was younger, but you don't get to do those things at schools uh, in the UK, at least in the 80s. And so this opened up an, a whole world for me. I was going to say the tribes and the cultures, and I, I feel like the word tribe has just been so appropriated and it feels strange in my mouth, even though... <laughs> you know uh, who's allowed who's allowed always but yeah 
for me, like spending time learning about these tribes, these people, the Iroquois, the Mayans, <laughs> the Taino, the Caribs, the Black Caribs, the Garifuna, etc., 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 and their impact on who I was, you know, like how we can trace the line, the lineage and I'm living in this island and islands, this nation, this fascinating place. It was, it was major for me. And so coming back then to <laughs> the UK after all of that, to this dry ass school, so it was I'm just telling the truth dry when I say dry yeah it's dry and predominantly white obviously I think it was me and let me think I think I can even count how many black and brown folks were <laughs> were in my year and probably the school in fact it's a big school that was a very confusing time. And, and, and let me add like layers to this because I've always been like a bit of a, you know, a grebo. <laughs> I got some stories here that are kind of quite funny, but I might say they're funny to me. But um, where these ideas on like blackness, like this sort of blackness as a monolith are just a complete farce. Um, and, and it's quite humorous so, so coming back to the UK and I was very into Nirvana let me say and um, I'd, I'd been very into like Blur even before I left for the Caribbean so a lot of like indie bands amongst many other genres of music right that's not me being defensive that's just like hey we are we, li we like things let, let people enjoy things um, so I, I remember like getting back and very getting back to the UK and very soon after I started the school there was a school disco and because we were we were homeless at the time like staying with some family actually so not technically homeless but without a home and um, I was actually able to get away with more you know I wasn't allowed out to play I didn't hang out with kids I did when I was in the Caribbean I didn't just like go and see my friends and stuff it was like books studies and working working in my nan's shop that's it and taking Hamish out as you know so that, that I didn't I didn't really have much contact with people outside of school really so then I'm back in the UK and it's just like it felt like I haven't seen like these um, Mad Max films or anything but from the posters I imagine it's like <laughs> coming back to the UK and just this it was a madness it I just I was so confused used and out of my depth with how f how fast things felt in a way that was like really sweet icing that I didn't particularly like I was confused and um there was a sort of a grow a fake grownness about the people I went to school with you know not all of them but, you know, there was a sort of the way that you are expected to perform adulthood through rites of passage. Like, this is like just very obvious, but, you know, the girls having to 
be having sex and talking about it and um yeah just very very it felt all very self-conscious that's what it felt like when I got back to the UK everything felt self-conscious like a, a performance like it's more important to perform how you are rather than just be does that make any sense this is how it felt as a teenager getting back to to the UK right and being at high school with all of those you know high school things in the UK in the mid 90s right and so there's me just <laughs> bumbling along I'm not I'm not thinking about I don't know like I don't I'm not really thinking about trying to fit in but I, I also wonder if this is like a part of my neurodivergency hello I wonder if, if it's that because that that's that's always been with me to be honest like not really concerned about fitting in not because I don't want to feel connected with people but like it it doesn't cross my mind it just literally doesn't come into my head to oh you 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 gel in a place by doing the same thing as other people or like you perform certain rituals and that bonds you be it going to a pub or um dressing in a certain way or like um talking about certain subjects even though you're not interested in them does that make any sense does that resonate with anyone so yeah getting back to the uk and just this painful brutal landscape where i was bullied horrendously i've been bullied a lot in my life but it was really bad like like really really bad <laughs> um and i think to be honest it so much of it came from me not wanting to be like the popular girls not wanting to sort of perform those the sort of worship of the popular girls and just being really content to like be on my own or and then go and talk to anyone I wanted to like there were certain rules do you know what I mean in high school where these are the people that you're allowed to talk to if you're that kind of person these are the things you do if you're that kind of person are you bad are you good are you naughty are you cool <laughs> oh it's exhausting it was exhausting but you know it was exhausting to see it because it just felt very insecure to me like oh it doesn't seem like there's no anchor it just feels you know it's like that surface icing like I don't really understand it I don't really like it if icing is with the rest of the cake and there's some substance to it I don't have a problem with it but yeah maybe that was my problem that I just I just found it very boring and I was like more interested in my music and my special interests and not really caring how I should be to these to these people that wanted me to be a certain way and I feel that still as an adult as a 41 year old human I definitely come into contact with that and, and I can see how it angers people sometimes like they need to tell me Dion you need to learn <laughs> to be like this and I don't want to sound arrogant here like my way is the best way but I, I, I'm just saying that the way my brain works those things like they're just they're not interesting to me and so if I'm not interested in something I can't really engage in it I can't pretend I can't just be like I, I, I can I can mask right so that is a form of pretending but it's exhausting to mask if any of you out there are um 
familiar with what that's like or we could talk about code switching you know because code switching and masking are two different things but together as well like being in a very white space at school and returning to this country with all of its ways of being many of them you know many racist under this country you know let's face it it's just (laughs) built on racist values right and so (laughs) trying to survive that as well as high school (laughs) as well as just grappling with being in this place with all of the these sort of impressions that I'd had all of these experiences of being in this body and being in different parts of the world and the things that I'd seen and learned and felt just coming to terms with all of that and like trying to find some ground and so yeah high school bullying a lot of a lot of stuff and in that time I remember I still enjoyed school school was a way for me to like be outside of the home life so there was a freedom in there going somewhere to learn things and because at that point I'm a teenager and you you know as you're in high school and your projects can become more um, you get more freedom I guess you know in choosing certain subjects that you want to study and this for me this was like a gift a lifeline and I just went all in I was so you know (laughs) one of my special interests was like subcultures I was fascinated by subcultures in all forms but you know certain ones like um, graffiti artists the graffiti movement um, in the 70s and 80s and indigenous art can we call it I don't really like to call it that but I was really I was really into (laughs) Mayan culture I was just enamored just so fascinated and obviously I'd had a closeness to that um, from where I'd been living and um, what I'd been learning in the Caribbean and um, I was also interested in this I guess it it kind of makes sense now as I'm talking about me observing this sort of self-consciousness this performance and the importance of performing a way of being in order to in order to place yourself in a hierarchy right and it, it was very uninteresting to me but at the same time maybe it was actually fascinating <laughs> it was uninteresting for me in terms of me wanting to perform that even though you don't get a choice you're sort of just placed in that ranking in that list like oh you're black you're ugly you're you're weird you're a nerd um you're poor um you're gonna slide in at the bottom now right but there was a fascination in why it was so fascinating for other people but but also I wanted to reclaim that in ways that felt free for me which was like these these subcultures that I found very inspiring you know like the like the graffiti movement um like these people that would come together and create art and because they didn't necessarily have access to these kind of money money art worlds right or they weren't allowed in that more more truthfully instead they created art that was displayed and shown throughout 
New York City on the subways. Like the innovation, the, I mean, I'm just in awe, to be honest with you. I'm in awe at the actions that created a movement that shifted culture, that brought joy or curiosity to people's lives, that gave people this even, it sounds dramatic, but I know this is true for some people, that a reason for being, a reason to stay alive, a reason to survive on the streets, you know, like to literally reclaim the streets, to ask questions, to have conversations through these artworks that they were creating. I just found that so fascinating, right? So I was probably like 13, 14, right? And I could, I could delve into some of these projects, even though, you know, there was some, some people were like raising their eyebrows, you know, teachers, but others really let me run with, with, with it. And for that, I'm so grateful. I was also really interested in this point in studying the mixed race identity, even though we know that race is a construct mixed what the hell is that that's like nonsense and hence my reason for being fascinated I was so curious by this weird obsession that people had had my entire life about putting me in this box which didn't actually have a place that you're alien you are other you 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 literally aren't one or the other it's it's um it's wrong you are you know literally a contamination you are worse you're worse than the worst of the worst because you are a mongrel you know and that's not me saying these things obviously you know that um but these were the things i'd be told repeatedly you have to choose and and um you're not allowed to be here you're not that you're that the labels and that you know the ignorance, the, the need for so many people to tell me what I was and for them to sort of, their desperation in them needing to know what I was felt so urgent and I couldn't understand, I couldn't understand it. Now it's a very different thing, may I add here in case it's not clear, it's a very different thing for me when you want to claim a, um, a box or a, a, a definition or a label. It's a very different thing when, when you are using language to help you to feel a sense of connection and liberation for who you are and all that is, right? And I've always felt that. But when someone else wants to enforce something on you that doesn't even make sense, this is what I struggled with. And <laughs> you can probably hear, I guess I was quite a precocious child. But I still feel all of this deeply. For when I'm talking, I'm like, little Dion knew what she was doing. Like she, or like she knew what she felt. She knew what she felt to be real. In her experience. And staying true to that felt really important at the time. And difficult because any time I would try to go into these specialist subjects and speak to teachers I want to I want to do a project about this about 
you know, this mixed race experience, like what, and you know, the absurdity of this, but also the, the realness of this for some people, you know, like not to kind of come with my, my opinions, but just, I want to study this. And I was told like, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't study this. You can't do that because it's not the research. You can't look at blackness. You can't look at <laughs> black subcultures because there's no research on that. And you know what I did, my friends? I went out and I did what I could. I did the best I could with what I had, which was not a lot. But I remember going to, to the library <laughs> and uh, the city library. And, and I found a few books on subcultures and representation. And this is when I discovered Stuart Hall. And this is when I discovered in Stuart Hall's books and these other subculture books, where bell hooks was first sighted and that's when i first discovered bell hooks and you know when you're like uh what do you call them the footer what do you call them the line notes i was fascinated by by culture and culture is kind of challenging to define right it, it always felt difficult to define and I don't really like defining things that feel limiting. <laughs> I want things to feel fluid and just expansive, right? And I remember that for me, culture was very important. Culture for me is like, if, if you are of the diaspora and you're in a place that's feeling disconnected from, you know, your, your navel string or your roots or you're unsure of even what, the, of what they are, the, the culture is very fascinating for me to study because our cultures and like not even if you are of the diaspora if you're a human being your culture what you're ingesting what you're what you're exposed to what you're learning what you're taking in what your rituals and practices are these are these tell us i think these really tell us so much about ourselves these are fascinating areas to explore because we can learn so much there's so much richness there is so much um there is so much information available to us to learn about who we are who we are really you know what are we doing what do we believe in what are our values I know that, like, of course, the counter-argument here is like, yeah, but, you know, it's one monoculture telling the rest of the cultures what to think. That's one way, sure. That's also interesting. But, but coming from the lens of being of the diaspora and then, you know, I, would, I was sort of living in these various worlds with different cultures and, you know, again, blackness is not a monolith and the, the sort of the... There were many different ways that that was expressed, all contributed to making me who I was you know they all had an impression whether I resonated with something or not so studying culture for me just felt of the utmost importance when I was a teenager in me being able to learn and understand more about who I was and as I said that's where Stuart Hall and that's where bell hooks neither of who are are with us on this planet but hopefully in spirit they are that's how I discovered discovered you know what I mean that's how I came across their work and it changed me when I say the impact 
they had on my life and still now. You know, you can have an impact and not necessarily agree with absolutely everything someone says. I think we lose that nuance in this day and age, to be honest. Do I sound old and like, I'm not trying to be codgery and complaining, but I wish there was more of that nuance that we can have these critical and engaged conversations. We can engage with people who think differently to us. But Belle and Stuart, they really gave me so much nutritious wisdom or like like they shared their wisdom they gave me so much nutrition they really you know it sounds so cliche but they fed me they 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 really kept me alive i really believe like their their work being able to access their work however minimal it was in this sort of very white town but still just even even droplets i was happy to just take any morsel and soak in their wisdom and just really turn it over and, and it really helped me grapple with some of the most difficult moments of my life you know really helped me to ask questions to stay curious to 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 see these things that I felt and believed to be important to me to really hold them close to have this sort of guiding anchor to have this inner compass to to, to not listen to people who told me there's not the research, that's not interesting. This is what you should be learning and studying and be interested in. And I'm just so grateful for, to them for that. And Bell, this week, it hit hard. It hit really hard. And I know that especially like, uh, for every black woman I know, but it, I mean, I don't even want a genderless to be honest. But there's a way that Belle spoke to us and asked us to look at stuff. Some of it was uncomfortable. Some of it, some of it was so, oh, so encouraging. Belle taught me about joy and pleasure. I know Audrey is up there and like I came to Audrey's work a bit later, but Belle for me really taught me about the necessity, the necessity of joy in the work and how that can help to keep us going. It's that it's so necessary for us to, to prioritize that, to, to make room for that, to create space for that in our lives. And I'm so forever grateful. And so much I could say about Bell Hook's work. And I think I probably just need some more time to sit with this and chew it over. But <laughs> I just went into like this massive tangent that I didn't really expect to go into about <laughs> a moment in life, which I'm not sure is interesting, but <laughs> I don't know if it spoke to you or resonated, but I, I wonder, I wonder who, who in your life, whether they're here in, in physical form or not, who encourages you to ask important questions? Who, who in your life reminds you of staying close to that little Bunsen burner inside, that little kind of flame of curiosity? Curiosity about the things that feel important to you. Who reminds you to, to nurture that flame? To prioritize it and make time for it. Who in your life 
has helped you to remember who you are? And if not, if it's if you can't remember, who has helped kind of light the way for you in beginning to explore what that could be, what that could look like, what that could feel like? As more and more people that feel so important, at least important to me in my life are leaving this physical plane and the sorrow that goes with that but also the kind of it's always mixed right it's like a, a this this bulbousness of of gratitude for all that they've given and all that they still give whether they're here in in the physical world or not but as we lose people in physical form people that have impacted our lives and made such an impact it becomes more important to me at least and I'm sure many of you will will feel this too but it becomes more important for me to to be really clear on what I'm doing to remember and um, to really think about what I'm leaving behind but also what I'm what I'm contributing right now so that's where I'm going to leave you just with that gigantic I don't know souffle maybe not a souffle more maybe it's more like a pound cake (laughs) it's quite dense um for you to contemplate as I look out at the sea and the vastness of the sea that can hold all of this all of this curiosity and wondering and wonderment and all of these unanswered questions thank you Amel LaRue all of these ponderings all of the grief and all of the joy I'm going to put it out there and hand it to you may you pass that on as well maybe you tell me what came up for you what what resonated what ideas you had as always this is a conversation it's never a one-way top-down kind of vibe so come and talk to me Jodeci I'm sorry I can't help myself but (laughs) come and talk to me you know where to find me right dion.space get in touch I love to hear from you leave me a voicemail maybe send me some kind of message maybe leave me a review that's been amazing today I haven't read reviews in a long time and shuttle like was showing showing me some reviews and it just ah broke me open it's amazing to connect with you in your part of the world and I hope you're safe and I hope that you are getting joy and rest in equal measure and um, knowing that you don't have to hold it all if this has stirred stuff up for you or if this has raised some questions or giving you some, some, clar- some I don't know, some um, reminders of your clarity or answers that feel true to you. Just know that there is this vast space that connects us all, where there's room for each of us to thrive and be who we are. And I'm so happy for that. I'm so happy for the space. I'm so happy for the connection. So... Yeah, I hope there was something here. I know I say that all the time, but I mean it. I hope there was some resonance in some form. 
I'd love to hear your thoughts wherever you are in the world, whatever kind of meat suit you wear, whatever kind of life experience you have, I'm always interested. So sending you love.